This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Nah, I don't eat eggs. You don't eat eggs? No. Ever? No. Scrambled? No. A hard-boiled egg? No. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Patrick Mahomes, the magic show, is here in Oakland pulling the rabbit out of the hat and handing the rabbit to Travis Kelsey. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. It's over! The Bullpups have knocked off Bishop the age, and for the ninth time in school history, the Bullpups stand atop the state of Kansas. Everything happening in the sports world. Touchdown! And even some things not happening in the sports world. So you're more of a traditional Hark, Christmas Hark music. Hark the Herald player. Angels sing. I like that. Hark the Herald Angels oh, yeah. sing. Yeah, I like that. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing, another edition of According to Jim, right here on 96.7 FM KBBE, or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner, joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson, the guy who has been running around with his hair on fire all morning long, Mr. Steve Sell, good morning. Good good afternoon. Good afternoon, it is noon now, I guess. Speaking of dragging and running around like crazy all morning... You and I had a late night last night, Ooh, deep late. into the morning. Deep. But it's good to be back, good to pick up a couple of road wins on a Tuesday night. Whenever you go on the road on a Tuesday night, sometimes you don't get the calls from the officials, sometimes you don't have as big of a following with your fans, and sometimes it's not quite as loud. It is always hard to go on the road and win on a Tuesday night, but the Bullpups picked up a sweep. They brought out the brooms last night at Augusta and came away with two big wins. Yeah, and those were a couple of really good Augusta teams. Uh, Both McPherson teams, it's like the alarm clock did not go off until the second quarter. Uh, The girls only scored five points in the first quarter, but that was more than what the boys did. They only scored four. The girls started out two of 21. I know Coach Strathman hates me to use that stab, but it just shows how nice of a comeback the Bullpups made. The boys started off two for nine in the first quarter, and uh, it, it was just kind of like um, neither team was really fully engaged until the second quarter. It was funny the way the boys' game played out because we had Coach Kinneman come in before the game, and he always records his pregame interview, and he said, oh, those guys, they did not have a good practice last night. And he's coached a lot of games. He's won a lot of games. We'll get to that here in a minute, but... When you see a team enough, you know how your guys play. He said, it's either going to go one of two ways. They're either going to go out and win and win with ease, and I won't be able to make a lesson out of this for them not practicing well last night, or we're going to come out a little sluggish, somehow be sticking around at halftime, enough to where I can rip them a little bit and say, hey, this is why you have to practice harder, still come out in the second half, find a way to win, and then use this as a learning tool the rest of the way. And the coach that has now won 500 games had a pretty good idea of how the game was going to go last night because he was spot on with the way that game played out. Yeah, the Bullpups did not lead the game one time, one single time, until the first basket of the fourth quarter. Jake Alexander hit a three. That put the Bullpups up two. That was their first lead of the night. They scored 33 points, I believe it was, through three quarters and scored 20 in the fourth quarter. 
This is a team that, Steve, on the boys' side, we've said all season long, the difference in them winning games and losing games this season has been how they finish. Because as you look up and down the schedule and the games that they've played, every game but one has been close going into the second half. The only one that wasn't close was the circle game last Friday night, which ended up being an 11-point win, but really really was more of a 20-point win. That's the only game that hasn't been close. Every other game this year has come down to how the Bullpups have finished at the free throw line and how they've been able to close out defensively. And last night, a little shaky at the free throw line, but they got the makes when they needed them, and defensively they were able to pick up the stops down the stretch. The offense didn't put them into a great position a couple of times in the fourth quarter, but a win on the road on a Tuesday night in a tough environment against a good team, you can never walk away too upset after one of those. Yeah, and and the one guy that uh, really needs to hit free throws did, and that's your point guard. Late in games, it's on your point guard, and Max Alexander, superb at the line last night, just a sophomore, uh, 10-12 at the line, finished with 19 points. Coach Kinneman called it his best game, and it's not just the 19 points. You know, the points are great, but Coach Kinneman's more about how he played on defense, and he was really good on the defensive end last night. had a couple steals. You know, scoring gets you the headlines, but the all-around game is what really matters, and Max had the all-around game last night. Steve, you and I were having a conversation on the way down to Augusta last night about Max Alexander and just talking about the impact that he has had already this year. And we knew at the beginning of the year that Max was going to have to play a really big role on this team because they didn't have that traditional point guard that was a veteran. And stepping in as a sophomore into an environment like this and with a team where the expectations are high is sometimes not easy. And when you're a sophomore and here we are eight games into the season, and you've scored in double digits in seven of them, and have been sort of the balancing act and the steady person for this team, because so far this year, Max Alexander has been the most consistent scorer. Now, not that that's the most important thing, but no matter what he does in his game, no matter if it's a bad night, no matter if it's a great night, no matter if it's an average night, he's kept himself at 12 to 15 points per game, And sometimes just the consistency and the steadiness from a point guard is what you need to see as well. Yeah, you're right. And uh, uh, like I said, he's been in double figures uh, every game but one. Now, he is more of a scoring point guard than a guy. He's not the Kyler Kinnaman type point guard. No. That, uh, you know, Kyler, you know, didn't really take very many shots, but he was the consummate point guard to me. But uh, Max is more of a scoring point guard. And I thought he did a good job of cutting down his turnovers last night. He had a lot of turnovers the game before, of course, everybody did the game before. I think <laughs> I think every player on the on the team threw it away about four or five times. But but really, he was the one guy that took care of the basketball when he had to. It was a really good win for the McPherson boys last night, and we mentioned it several times that this was a team that the Bullpups knew could be a problem because Augusta had been playing so solid, and they had a five point loss to Andale, who was a very good team. They lost at the buzzer to Circle. Then they lose last night the way that they did 53-50. to This is an Augusta team that, if they catch a couple of breaks, could be an undefeated team. And when they come to the roundhouse in February, that is going to be another big test for this McPherson team because that was a massive win last night. Well, and as Coach Kinneman said after the game, former Canton-Galva coach Jake Sims, like Kurt, a former Canton-Galva coach. Oh, yeah, the Eagles run Jake together. Jake Sims had a great game plan. They play kind of a 1-3-1 
uh, with and they're very long. They got a lot of six three kids, you know, with their long arms play about six six. They make it very difficult. I thought the bullpups threw the ball away more than I'd ever seen a bullpup team turn the ball over, and yet they still survived and and found a way to win. And again, some really key plays. Max Alexander hitting two free throws with three seconds left, put him up three. Uh, but the other bullpups kind of missed some free throws down the stretch. Uh, Got to do a little better job there. 14 to 24. Uh, that's not typical bullpup free throwing. They're generally better than that because it's a good shooting team. And, uh, uh, you know, 14 to 24, That's that, that just doesn't happen very often with this team. But Max Alexander was 10 to 12. So that tells you, you know, he carried the brunt of the free throw shooting. There are growing pains with young teams and inexperienced teams that, you see happen early on in the season, especially against, remember, we're still in the first half of the season. Yeah. They're just eight games in. We're not to the halfway point, as some have said. And we are we are seeing a lot of growing pains, that there are moments where this team looks like they can take on the world. Then there are moments where ugh, you, you scratch your head and, and you think, what are they doing? But the good thing is with this team is they just keep getting better and they keep getting more confident. And that this is a team that is not going to make life easy. They are going to be a little stressful. They might make you scratch your head a few times. But also, you'll be standing on the back of your chair with your arms in the air and screaming as they slam down a dunk. It's a team that is a wild roller coaster. But it's still fun to be a part of the ride, too. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's worth the price Augusta, of admission for Augusta the ride. Augusta did a great job on Jake Alexander last night. Jake had scored 35 the game before. He just didn't get very many looks. In the first half, he only took four shots in the first half, had two points. He was really a focal point of their defense. And then uh, he got that big three, though. That, that Really, that I thought that three-pointer to begin the fourth quarter was the play of the game. I really did. That was the play of the game. Because it kind of uh, it got the bullpups the lead. They kept getting close, and then Augusta would have a little spurt there and get it back out. Bullpups were down eight points in this game, and it was a very loud environment for those that were there. I don't know about you, but my ears were ringing by the time we got out. Of course, a lot of people didn't stick around for the rock and roll show. We were waiting on Coach Kinneman. And- now, Steve sits around here all the time and says, oh, I love that 70s rock. Yeah, but and the-, the band is jamming over there. They're playing some sort of Led Zeppelin. But the and Steve's is- over there waving his arms and saying, guys, we turn could- it down. We couldn't hear ourselves sink, though. I mean, when you got an empty gym. <laughs> and you and you and, and you got and you got the amp on about ten and the full drum kit blasting out. Oh my gosh, it was so loud in there last night. But you know that was a good crowd for a Tuesday night game in Augusta. Give the Oriole fans credit. Girls' game was also another one where the, it was just a slow start. Where McPherson was down at the end of the or they were tied at they were down at the end of the first quarter, seven to five, and. I know there might be some people that are thinking, oh, well, this team, they're just having some trouble scoring. Maybe it's the difference of not having Taylor Robertson, and it might be a factor, but this is a good scoring team. Let's not forget that. Right. And their scoring average is now sitting at about 55 a game. Last year was at 64, but a lot of it has come down to a couple of games where they just haven't gotten off to good starts. Then, after a slow start, they rattle off a 22 to nothing run, and that's what makes this team so dangerous. Even in games where they don't play very well and they don't shoot very well, you look up, they're on a 22 to nothing run. Here you are in the third quarter, and Augusta hasn't scored for 10 minutes. Yeah, and again, the Bullpups really tried to establish the inside game last night. They know to be successful 
and would get to where they want to be, they've got to have some kind of inside scoring. Augusta with long, you know, players very long. Abby Rhodes about six one plus. She can bench press the gymnasium. Oh man! I mean, she's going to go to Texas Tech. I think to throw the shot put. Shot put. She's the reigning four A shot yeah, put. Yeah, if you can. looked at her, I mean, she really doesn't look like you know the typical shot put. She's very wiry, but I guess she can just. What is it? She can bench press, they said. Oh, like, she can hang it's, it's, clean. She can bench press. Yeah, she it's can just squat. outrageous. And then Jaden Marley, no, she's about 5'10". You know, she's long. So the Bullpups, again, tried to tried to get some inside scoring. Uh, didn't get a whole lot, though. They only had seven points with three minutes to go in the half. They scored the final 12 of the first half, the first 10 of the second half, and that turned what was a very, very nervous situation into what was, you know, they got it out to 15, so it was pretty comfortable in the second half. But uh, we kind of got back to, you know, the identity. A lot of balanced scoring. A couple players in double figures. Grace Pyle, big game off the bench for her. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, just the post-defense, though, uh, that Coach Stratton said after the game, the post-defense was the key because Rhodes, I think, had seven points. Most of those were late. Bullpups just not give up any easy baskets inside. And right now, this is a team that's winning with its defense and not its offense. This is a team that is going to play on Friday, and they're going to play an El Dorado team that has not won a game this year, and they haven't really been very competitive. They lost by nine on the road at Bueller last night, which is really a pretty competitive that's game not for bad. them. Yeah. They lost by nearly 30 to Augusta, lost by 35 to Rose Hill, lost by 22 to Circle, only lost by three to Winfield, but... We saw what the Bullpups did against the Winfield right. team. They've had a couple of games where they've been relatively competitive, but let's be honest, El Dorado is one of the worst teams in 4A. And I'll be honest, if it's not running clock, I'll be surprised. I think El Dorado will have just a terrible time handling against that Bullpup pressure defense. And and really, the reason the Bullpups didn't score early on, they didn't make any baskets, which didn't allow them to get into their defense, their pressing defense, which is, you know, that sets up their offense, uh, it turned into a half-court game. So the Bullpups, once they got, you know, Lake and Schieffer hit the three that kind of broke the seal, got things going, and once they got into their pressing attack, that's what keyed that 22-0 run. And then after the El Dorado game on Friday, the girls will then have a full week off. And then you well, can add in, yeah, then you add in the rest of the next week getting ready for the Mid-America Classic. About 10 days between games. But they have a chance to put themselves into a great position at the end of this week to have a chance to be the number one seed in their Mid-America Classic. I believe that Olathe the South is still undefeated. And so if the Falcons of Olathe the South go undefeated and the Bullpups have one loss, then obviously they would right. not be the one seed, but would match up pretty well and be on opposite sides of the bracket. But a win on Friday, and they put themselves into as good of a position as possible for their tournament. And I'd be curious what Coach Strathman thinks. You know, you had two weeks off for Christmas. You come back, you play three games, more like two, because El Dorado, that game will probably be decided by, I'm guessing, the end of the first quarter. And then you have ten days off. I, I got a feeling he's probably wishing he had a game like the Tuesday of the boys – you know, tournament week, maybe play on Tuesday and not go so long between games. But, you know, they have so much depth that their practices can be real battles. And, you know, their 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 practice team sometimes is a lot bigger challenge than some of the teams they play. We will dive into and, and start to look more into who McPherson on the girls' side could be playing in their Mid-America Classic and some of those seedings later on this week. But also the 
McPherson Invitational bracket was released today. Steve, I want to talk about that a little bit at the end of today's show and who the Bullpups will be matched up with. We know that now. We'll talk about that later. But I want to dive into the recent movements in the NFL and the new head coaches that are bouncing around this league. We'll take a break and come back and do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Sell. Steve, as we were making the trip down to Augusta yesterday, we started to get some breaking news throughout the NFL and a lot of different coaches that will be on the move. Now, last week is the big week for coaches to be fired. This week is the big week for coaches to be hired. And one of the big-name moves that I know a lot of people around here have an interest in because of the amount of times they've seen him in the Big 12 was former Texas Tech coach Cliff Kingsbury being named the head coach or will soon be named the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Bruce Arians likely to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then in Cleveland, Freddie Kitchens likely to take that job. But let's start about start with Cliff Kingsbury first. And I want to know your reaction because I see some people that are saying, the guy couldn't even win in college. He couldn't even stop anybody in defense in the Big 12. Why do you think he's an NFL coach? But what's your reaction to Cliff Kingsbury at 39 years old being named the coach of the Arizona Cardinals? I found it very puzzling. Uh, he's Like you said, he's had he hasn't had a really great team at Texas Tech. I think he ended up around, he was about 500, I think, there for his career. Maybe a few games over, a few games under. But I can see what the Cardinals, what they're trying to do is, and I think a lot of teams are trying to do this, they're looking for the next Sean McVay. They're looking for that quarterback guru who can just, you know, like like uh, Sean McVay did with the Rams and Jared Goff. Jared Goff, he was a ham and egger under, you know, Jeff Fisher. He was terrible. He was, it looked like he was going to be one of the biggest NFL busts overall number one draft picks there ever was. And then Sean McVay gets hold of him, turns him into an all-pro. The Rams, you know what they've done. They've won back-to-back division titles. Kingsbury is a is an offensive guy. He's You know, he's all about the quarterbacks. Of course, he was a great quarterback in his day. But I don't think it's really going to matter who Arizona hires. Their talent level is so bad. Uh, but but I, they have the number one pick. They have the number one pick. Uh, be curious. I mean, they need offense. They can't score. But they need it's likely defense. Bosa, who will be the number one pick, or uh, Eddie. Ol- of course, Eddie Oliver's kind of fallen down the Houston defensive tackle. Uh, some they've kind of sat, a lot of people have soured on him because of his attitude. Uh, he was at Houston, ended up getting into a beef with the coach, got hurt, got out of shape. I don't think he played like the last four or five games of the year. But um, Kingsbury, I don't know. I, I I just I don't seem being that wow guy. Here's my thought process. And I don't really think the NCAA to NFL comparison is fair because 
the college game is just different. You have to be more in control of the game itself. You're more of a GM of the franchise compared to just having to be a coach. And what I do think Cliff Kingsbury offers is the ability to have an all-out offensive attack. And when you look at some of these young coaches, what's the thing that they have in common? They have innovative offenses that are trying to find new ways to move the ball down the field and score points. And I don't know if it's necessarily that Sean McVay is just so smart, but he's doing something different right now. And he's doing something that is producing a lot of points, that's producing a lot of wins, and producing an offense that defenses are having a hard time to stop. And the other thing that stands out about Cliff Kingsbury is what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs. He, I guess we can say, birthed, created Patrick Mahomes. Now, I will give Patrick Mahomes a little more credit on his own for being such a good player, but when it comes to an offense that generated this player and began to give him the tools to be successful, it's Cliff Kingsbury. It's Texas Tech. And when you see NFL offenses moving into the direction of a college style of play, why not go get maybe the most innovative college offensive coach? But Josh Rosen is no Patrick Mahomes. And and that's the only thing that scares me a little bit is I am not a Josh Rosen fan. Nope. And that's what we'll have to find out and see what the Cardinals want to do. I believe they're going to have another very good early draft pick as well. So the important thing for Cliff Kingsbury is to find somebody not only as a quarterback, but also offensive weapons. That's another thing that he had at Texas Tech as well. And when you make him not have to worry about what's going on on defense, make him not worry about recruiting and trying to get into the Dallas Metroplex and find players, you have scouts to do that. You have people that will help you out with the draft. Just let him design plays. And people will say he couldn't really even win at the college level. I don't know if I can compare it well because I think the main reason they're taking a gamble on this is because he is such a good offensive mind, similar to a Mike Leach. Maybe Mike Leach wouldn't be a great NFL coach, but he's got a different offensive mind. And because of he's got a different mind in general. He's yeah, a strange he, guy. He's one strange dude. But when you get somebody that is putting themselves into a position to move into a league that is in all directions moving toward offense, they don't want to hire guys that have a new defensive strategy. Let's see if we can run the four-two-five out there. Yeah. See if we can run that nickel package and stop teams. No, it's about offense. And Cliff Kingsbury is offense. Yeah, I'll give you credit for that, but. Uh... Again, you know, they've got David Johnson, a pretty good running back. Right, and he's come, and he didn't play great this past year, and he was hurt the year before, but you get a guy like that back, that yeah. helps. And their best receiver, though, is 30, what, six or seven years old. But Larry still, if you get one more year of him, yeah. you can still continue to work. You have a well, great pick in the draft. It's, it's, it's a team that has a long way to go to even be competitive. But I do think they have a chance. And they're in that AFC, or the NFC West where – there's going to be some innovative offenses. And in order to keep up with what's going on in L.A., in order to keep up with what's going on with Shanahan in San Francisco, in order to keep up with and maybe pass what Seattle's doing because they play a more traditional style of football trying to dominate on the ground, I think that this could be a good move. Now, it might absolutely blow up, but I think this is different than taking, let's say, Nick Saban 
or Bobby Petrino and moving them to the NFL. And the reason I say that is I think both of those coaches tried to play more of an NFL style, and Bobby Petrino in particular, he didn't bring his style to the NFL. He tried to match what everybody else was doing. Nick Saban tried to go to the NFL and match what everybody else was doing in Miami. Cliff Kingsbury, he hasn't had that much success in college, so he's not taking a style that the NFL is saying, okay, this is how you're supposed to win. He's taking his style, and maybe because it's different, it will have a chance to win. Maybe it will be horrible. Maybe it will be the worst decision anybody's ever seen, and we will talk about how Cliff Kingsbury, who at the time was the offensive coordinator at USC, for about jumped to the NFL, for a cup of coffee, yeah. jumped to the NFL, and bombed. But what if this is the move that changes everything? You and I could see know. that being a possibility. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. But we know how I've been predicting lately. Yeah, you've had a, you've had a bad run. I had a really good year last year in predicting. Big 12 basketball, a little bit of college football late. This year I've been on the Steve Sell path. I think I've been hanging out with you too much. Not good. What a weird move to get fired at Texas Tech, go take the offensive coordinator job at USC out in L.A., and then a couple weeks later you're interviewing for head coaching jobs and names bouncing around, maybe be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and all of a sudden he's the most important man in Phoenix. Well, the the move that really interested I found most interesting was Cleveland going with Freddie Kitchens as their coach after Greg Williams had done a great job. I think they were six and three under Greg Williams, uh, you know, as the interim head coach. He interviewed for the job and they didn't pick him. Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield's quarterback coach, and I'll guarantee if Baker Mayfield wasn't the quarterback at Cleveland, if they still had like Robert Griffin the third or somebody else, Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser, Greg Williams would have got Colt that McCoy. Job. Again, the NFL is going toward offense. Everything's about offense. Defense wins championships. That's become passe. That's going out the window. But uh, Especially if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl yeah, this year. Yeah, and then Vic Fangio to the Broncos, I saw. Uh, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. From the Titans offensive coordinator to the Packers. Yeah, and then Bruce Arians at Tampa Bay. That seems strange. Yeah, Bruce Arians probably about, what, 60 Six or seven. He's been years? hanging out in the broadcast booth with and Trent was, Green, and he was really bad. I thought he was I didn't ter- think he was great. He was terrible. The other thing that I wanted to make a comment on before we transition to take one more break is there are a lot of NFL coaches that try to do it their way or it's the highway, and you see this a lot with football. That there are coaches that say, "I'm doing it the way I've done it because that's the way we've done it for 30 years." Maybe somebody like Mike McCarthy. Maybe somebody like Bill Belichick. And I think he's been a little better than most. But Andy Reid is one that has completely adapted his game as the years have gone by. His game style in Philadelphia was different when he got to Kansas City with Alex Smith and their weapons. His game style right now, compared to what it was when he got there in 2013 with Alex Smith, it's a completely new offense. It's a completely new team. Because Andy Reid understands... When you have weapons, you have to use them. Yeah. All right, Steve, one more break, and we will talk about the McPherson Invitational Tournament field that was released earlier today and who the Bullpups will be matching up with starting next Thursday. We're back after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... 
Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Sell. Steve, I was fast asleep earlier this morning after a late night here at the station when I got the email about the McPherson Invitational Tournament field. Well, we already knew the eight teams that were going to be playing, but the bracket is officially out, and the Bullpups, I think, got a pretty good draw with who they will be playing. Starting next Thursday, they will take on Blue Valley West. McPherson is the three seed, and there are a lot of times where you look at these tournaments, and especially last year, where you look at the field and go, man, this is a loaded field. And I don't think this is as good of a field as we saw last year, but... McPherson finding a way to get up to the three seed, and more importantly, staying on the other side of the bracket from a couple of teams that we know are always very good. Lawrence Free State is the one seed. Shawnee Mission East on the other half of the bracket is the four seed. Manhattan is the five. The Bullpups will take on Blue Valley West, and then whether they win or lose, Shawnee Heights or Wichita West. Yeah, I thought it was a really good draw, and uh, you know that that's why last night's game was so important because that would have been a real mess there in the middle. You got a lot of teams... Around that 500 mark, just a little better than 500. Uh, now, Shawnee Heights has two losses, Free State one loss. Then everybody else has at least three losses. A couple teams have six losses. But it's a very balanced tournament. I don't think you're going to see a lot of blowout games in this. And Mill Valley has been a very good team over the last couple of years, and I know that they lost one of their best players last year who was playing at the Division One level somewhere. I can't remember where. But Mill Valley is 1-7. and seven. And that's a team that is still very good in the Eastern Kansas League. Wichita West, they play a ton of great teams in their schedule. Blue Valley West also in the EKL. Then you've got Manhattan, who I don't know if I have a great read on yet. They're 4-5. and five Don't and score a lot of points, it doesn't look like. Then you've got Shawnee Mission East, who is a mainstay here at the McPherson Invitational. Their best player that they would have had returning this year ended up transferring to a prep school. And so that will help McPherson on that end. And then... There's Lawrence Free State, who was teetering on the verge of being a state champion caliber team last year. They lost some big pieces, but it's still one of the best teams in the Sunflower League coming back. And even on a down year, the McPherson Invitational field is still very good. Well, here's the way I look at it. You could take any one of these eight teams and put them in AVCTL Division Three. Oh, well, yeah. And they would be the favorite along with the Bullpups. They'd be the second best, or either the best or second best team in Division Three. all of them. And that's why McPherson will schedule tournaments like this because they know they need to play some really good teams, and especially now that they're at the 5A level, play some of these different teams, see different brands of basketball, and push themselves. And if they could find a way to win this tournament next week, we're going to be thinking about this McPherson team a whole lot differently than we were in early December. This will obviously be tough to win, but the Bullpups, I think, have a good draw. I think they're on the right side of the bracket, and... If they can get hot at the right time and get some guys playing well together, who knows? They can make a run. Yeah, I think it's really wide open. Uh, you know, a lot there was a lot of written about Free State before the year, uh, but they really haven't been a dominant team. They're four and one, but it's not like they've just been crushing people. Uh, 
you know, they play good competition. Now, they're going to play, I believe, Manhattan. Is that correct in the first round or is that second round? First game. First game? Well, no, they I, play I, Mill Valley. I, I put I put my sheet away right as you asked they, me they that. They play Mill Valley. Three State's going to play – they're going to play Mill Valley and then right, Shawnee Mission right. East in Manhattan. So there's a chance that we can see a Free State, Manhattan, you know, Lawrence versus Manhattan. K- there you K- go. State, yeah. All right, Steve, we'll wrap up today's show. Tomorrow we've got a ton to talk about getting ready for the weekend. Tonight, some KU basketball, some K-State basketball in action. We'll talk about all of that. Should be a fun one tomorrow on the show. And Jayhawks, this is a very important game for them. I had TCU as the second-best team uh, behind KU, but I think after watching the first few games of the Big 12, I think Texas Tech and Iowa State are probably the next two best teams along with KU. We'll see if Steve is right or wrong. (laughs) Recently, it's been leaning toward wrong. Well, it's wrong has just been ingrained in my head right now. Wrapping up today's show, for Steve Sal, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Zell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Well,